This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Welcome to the Doggish Podcast, the podcast dedicated to pet parents and the topics, events, and personalities impacting their lives. Today, I'm here with my host, Jason Arias of Forever USA. Um, I'm Sylvia West, as usual, dog up in this bitch. Today, we have a really special emergency episode that we just recently taped with Lori Califf of SPCAI about the ban on um the the cdc ban on 113 countries can i just say um i'm I'm not excited about the situation but i'm really excited that when you and i came together to talk about this show we, we wanted to be able to talk about the topics but we wanted to be able to have an impact too when something was going on like whether it was the fires or whether and and this is our first opportunity to do that and so i feel privileged to be able to try and make that impact and connect some dots. Super honored. So for those of you listening with us today, you know, thank you so much for tuning in and for taking your time to get to the bottom of this. Cause I know for Jason and I, like we really wanted to get to the bottom of this band. Like, what is it? What does it mean? I think that we get there with Lori. I think that the way that she describes everything makes it so clear. We have so many solutions. If you want to be, if you're feeling activated and you want to get involved, you need to check the show notes. We have solutions for you. We have opportunities for you to get involved. So let's get into it. Let's educate ourselves. Let's do it. Off we go. All right. So let's, let's jump into this. I'm cause I'm, I'm yeah. fascinated. I feel like there's a ton of stuff that like I've only caught bits and pieces of, and then it's gone kind of quiet except for uh, deep within the animal community. And um, when I saw your post, it kind of connected a lot of dots for me, Lori, like the impact and what's really going on. So um, without knowing too much, like where do we start on this? Like, update us on what has happened so that when this goes up, everybody knows what we're talking from, but what is happening with the CDC and animals around the world? Yeah, thank you. So uh, you'd be surprised how many people also don't know what CDC stands for. So Center for Disease Control. Very good. Yeah. We've all heard a lot about it. Well, Well, I think this last year we probably have heard a lot about it. Um, So it, on July 14th, I think they made this announcement about two weeks ago, it was June 15th. They announced that they're going to be putting a ban um, on the importation of dogs from 113 countries. Um, and the reason for this is because they're afraid of um, rabies entering into the country. And over the last year, there, there have been three cases reported since 2015. Okay, so, so just, all right, hold on, okay. So, so two wow. things. Uh, yeah. One, there's how many countries are there? I, I, the numbers shift slightly, but it's just over 200 yeah. countries across the world. If I'm if if my geography is clicking in at all, does that sound about right? Somebody Google me, but 
but I, th- I think it's like 204 or something. Yeah. That, this is the point where you were like, okay, I wish they, they gave me the question as an <laughs> So, So either way, like if I'm even remotely close, so half of the countries have now, like the United States is not allowing. 195. Yeah. Close. See, look at that. I was giving more credit. Um, so over half of the countries, we are, the United States is no longer allowing the imports of dogs or any animals. Dogs. Uh, strictly dogs and that's from 113 countries 113 okay quite impactful okay so it's strictly dogs and this has nothing to do with covid i think that would like even just right now hearing that like this is for rabies this is nothing to do with covid or anything else well let me backtrack a little bit so i think everything has to do with covid right now Um, the CDC has been quite overwhelmed in the last year, as we all know, um, and we, we empathize with them greatly. We know that they've been, all their staff has been dedicated to managing and navigating through the pandemic. Um, but part of, part of what the pandemic brought was um, an influx of dogs coming into the country from other countries uh, around the world. So um, in large numbers from rescue groups and, and from breeders as well. Now, unfortunately, some of these, because there was a demand for them, I don't know if you had seen what was going on at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was getting to stay at home and Mm -hmm. shelters in the U.S., across the U.S. started emptying, which was wonderful to see. Um, I won't go into down into too many drop-down menus, but unfortunately, now that restrictions are lifting, the shelters are, are filling up again. They are seeing more animals come in. However, there was a demand for more dogs, um, and that's both rescue and uh, bread dogs. Now, unfortunately, some of these, um, I call them institutions, organizations, and for-profit um, companies that breed dogs, um, to supply the demand, they falsified some documents. Um, and what the CDC was finding out is that um, there's there's such a, a strategy for the importation of dogs, and we can get onto that on how SBCA International manages that. Um, but it's, it's a process and um, there's three governing agencies for the importation. So there's the CDC, there's CBP, and there's the USDA. Um, and throughout the last year, there was no unified streamlined process between the three governing or, um, organizations. So it's been very difficult to manage the importation of dogs. Again, there's a big increase. So a lot of dogs had to be returned back on flights. And we're talking about coming from China or India and the dogs landed, they didn't their customer customs because their paperwork wasn't um, up to standard. And these poor dogs had to turn around, not even leave their cage, get right back on the next plane and go back to the country that they originated from. So that has not only, I mean, we don't, we don't even have to get onto the stress that causes the animal. A lot of dogs have died in these conditions. 30 plus hours on a plane. Yeah, I mean, even more, because even before a dog or a cat or any animal gets on a plane, there's a process and you have to show up at the airport at least three to four hours in advance. And they're sitting in that cage from that time. And by the time after they clear customs, is it, there could be up to another two to three hours as well. And most of the time, pardon me? I said just getting through customs. Right, and then, you know, most of them, there's a layover somewhere along the way. So they're in their cage. Um, we always make sure that if we're uh, managing any uh, transports of dogs or cats from overseas, we always have a layover and, and we, um, 
we incorporate that into our plan, even if it costs extra, just to give the animal a break overnight, wherever they're going. So this put not just a burden on uh, the CDC and CBP and the USDA, but also the airlines. So what happens is the airlines become responsible for the return of the dogs back into the country. And some of these trips, they don't have return flights right away. So some of these dogs are sitting in customs for two to three days without being let out of their cage and then having to get on another flight back. It was absolute tragedy. Um, so there, of course, they're, they're looking at the incidence of rabies and thinking and looking at some of the documents that haven't, you know, that they, the organizations or the companies haven't crossed their T's and dotted their I's and they want to pull the reins back and say, okay, we don't want one, we don't want dogs suffering or the reputable and good organization suffering either. Let's pull back and see what we can do to take a pause because it's a temporary ban. They're, they're looking at about a year and to see how we could um, restructure the whole process of importation. Um, I can go on if you'd like. Um, I feel I, I feel like it's kind of an overcorrection. I mean, the, the, all the background on this is important. Like I'm there's a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing for the first time, understanding why it's happening, who it's impacting, all of that kind of stuff, I think is all and like what that that impact is. And so that's a really I don't think that people really understand what it takes to import these animals. I know I was following, I follow someone on Instagram who like imported a lot of dogs into Florida. And it was like, they, it was like a bunch of golden retrievers that came out of a rescue and they were on like a 22 hour flight because I don't think what people realize is like, does like our flights get delayed just because it's a bunch of animals coming in doesn't mean that there's not delays. There's not weather. They might sit on the tarmac for three hours waiting for clearance to fly. Like any number of things can be wrong. You know, it's a, it's a process. It's, it's a process. Fun. You know, <laughs> we, we run a program called um, Operation Baghdad Cups Worldwide. So we rescue and reunite dogs and cats befriended by U.S. service members who are deployed um, in war-torn areas of the world. We operate in about 27 countries right now. And of course, we're a nonprofit organization, so we always need to be raising money to be able to do our work. I think one of the most common um, comments that we get is, we'll just put the dog on a plane, bring him home. And it's, it, it's about a three month process before we can actually get that dog home. Um, because we really, really are very strict with our, um, not just the governing uh, country's mandate for exportation, but of course we wanna work very closely with the, the governing agencies in the US as well. And so we, we are in quite big standing with the CDC. But moving back, you said something about the impact um, while we don't, SBC International doesn't directly bring home dogs for um, these, these shelters and organizations who are working in these 113 countries, um, we do support their work. And their work is basically TNVRing, which is trap, neuter, vaccinate, and release. And we're talking about mass vac uh, rabies vaccination clinics around the world where rabies is precedent. 
and um, also to be able to educate the public and to be able to treat illness of other sorts, um, manage cruelty, um, injury, and whatnot. So what this does, because these countries, the organizations, the reputable animal welfare organizations who work in these countries and who are our partners, we have about 350 active partners right now around the world. Wow. And what this means is they rely almost solely on adoptions overseas. Mm. And what this means is that they can't rescue more stray dogs from the streets. They can't help the injured. They can't even do rabies vaccination clinics because all their resources and all their funding is gonna to go to the animals that they have in their care. So it's a mental, it's, it's also a mental health issue too for the people who have dedicated their entire existence to running these organizations and doing these rescues. So here's, here's my other question uh, based on location. So, I mean, we're talking about 113 countries, but I'm gonna, I don't know what that country list is, but I would assume that all the big ones that we're familiar with, are they all on that list? Yeah, I mean, the majority, like China, um, mm -hmm. Thailand, uh, Ukraine, Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, all the Middle Eastern countries, um, a lot of um, African countries as well, Caribbean countries. Uh, it's, there, there's a list, you, all you have to do is basically Google CDC, sure dog and it'll show you the list of 113 countries but um just moving back to what I, I was getting on it's not just for the dogs what happens now and i'm forgive me i'm probably going to use this um this reference many times on this podcast what happens now is there's a great ripple effect and what there are going to be more dogs in the streets who are not getting um, spayed and neutered or vaccinated. So there's going to be an even greater overpopulation and the work that these organizations have been doing is going to be counter effective, right? And what happens now is there's going to be a wider spread of disease, a wider spread of cruelty, illness, injury, and this is going to become a public health issue for the people living in these countries. Because with more dogs roaming wild on the street, looking for food, not having enough resources, they're going to possibly get more aggressive. There will be a higher rate of transmission of disease, including rabies, which, of course, people can be can get bitten by these by these dogs. Mm -hmm. So while we're trying to manage um, the the effectiveness of lowering the the probability or the possibility, I should say of any rabies coming into the US, what we're doing is we're creating this stream of the possibility of rabies in these countries for people. Mm. And um, I mean, the US is one of the biggest philanthropic countries in the world. And uh, I think this is gonna become a public health issue. And last on that note, um, the government, usually the government in these countries, their immediate response is to do massive uh, poisoning dog culls in many ways, whether it's shooting, poison, um, or any other sort. We don't even have to get into that. But that in itself is a public health issue too, because when you have dogs dying in the street, you have children witnessing this, um, you have dogs who don't even completely die as well, which sounds so awful. Um, so this is going to have a massive, massive ripple effect on the work that our organizations do. And um, it's going to become a problem for our organization, too, because we obviously want to support our partners in their work. But it's going to, they're going to need 
more funding, more support. And um, yeah, it's, it's just going to be this rolling um, ripple effect for a long time. And even if the ban lifts in the next year, or hopefully if it gets overturned in the next little while, I think we'll feel the effects on it for quite some time, a lot longer than we think. So what can we do? Like, I mean, we're, I, I know we're trying to tell as many people about this as possible, but I don't think the CDC is going to sit down and, and listen to this podcast exactly. Like what, can, what kind of impact can we make as a whole to either end this sooner or support, like, like, like support. So, so let's just assume that this is happening. How can we support these other locations and these other countries and, and feel like we're making some kind of impact? Well, I'm actually going to get, um, I'm going to pull up something for you that you, you can share with um, your followers. So the way that our organization is always run in any project or any conflict or crisis that we, um, that we get involved in is we try to find solutions and we try to work with the government. I know that they're, a lot of people right now who are very, very upset by this ban and they want to go in there kicking and screaming and, you know, bad about the CDC. Again, we understand the plight of the CDC. We know that they're overworked. We want to come in and be able to offer solutions um, and give our assistance. So at this time, there is a solution and it's quite straightforward. And it's what the UK and Hawaii has been doing. And it's an effective protocol for a number of years right now. And what this is, is a requirement for all dogs that enter into the United States have a microchip, that they have a rabies serology test. So we know that they have enough um, immunity against the virus, not just the vaccine, and to have a more streamlined process so that before, and of course, working with a customs broker, but that is something that was suggested to us about two years ago. So we, we have always done that. But what that does is all the paperwork goes to a customs broker. They check it out. They work with the CDC. And before that dog even gets on an airplane, they know that that dog is good and can be and can have entry into the United States. Should get on the plane. Yeah. Right now, what's happening is there's a mass confusion. CBP is is giving clearance to some, the USDA is saying, well, we need this. Some of them are not getting this. CDC is like, well, how do we do this? So it's just a big mass confusion. Um, but if we can streamline the whole process and have one unified database, microchip the dog before leaving, they already had the rabies serology tested and approved lab by the CDC. Once they get into the United States, dog is scanned, we know that that's the right dog. Uh, and it'll be a more costly um, process for importation and it'll, be, it'll take a lot longer, but this will ensure the safety and well-being of the dogs and of course the population of the United States and the people of the governing country as well. And right now there's not an organization that does that. So it sounds like we're, like chipping is where it needs to begin and an organization that will in some ways kind of organize that data so that multiple agencies can pull information from that? 
Yeah, I mean, that's already been happening, of course, since the, the announcement of the ban. A lot of large organizations have come together. We've been having rolling meetings with some of our partners, our larger partners um, internationally, and of course, in the United States as well, to come up with a plan. And of course, we want it to um, be supportive. Um, and we know that it's going to take time. Even if this does come to fruition, we know that it's not an overnight process. This could take months. It could even take up to a year if, you know, for, for it to come into effect. Um, but Is this the, something that we could foresee coming or did it just come out of nowhere? It came out of nowhere. It came out of a big surprise to every organization. Um, what we have learned um, is that this was probably in the making for quite some time. Um, There's discussions being had, but I think the, the biggest um, surprise was that the amount of time that we had to kind of figure out a, a new plan, it was less than 30 days. Um, and there have been dogs waiting, you know, who have been vaccinated. And again, all the responsible owners and organizations who've adopted dogs from overseas are waiting for their dogs and now they can't get their dogs home. So we, we are urging to be very, very mindful with any messaging to the CDC and respectful. Um, so if anybody who is listening to this would like to write in, um, we have a message that we have on our website, um, not on our website, sorry, on, we probably do have on our website by now, um, in social media, Facebook or Instagram, SBC International, and you can copy and paste that letter and um, you can write to, or you can, write to, you can write your own letter, but we just really, really, really want to remind people to be respectful. Um, so and we're not, not approaching this with anger. And I totally yeah, agree. I'm on board with that. Like, I don't, I don't think that somebody at the CDC was going full Corella DeVille and just like cackling and twiddling their fingers when these decisions had to be made. So let's not treat it as such. No, ultimately like, like I said, I do feel like it's an overcorrection on a problem that just needed more of a solution. And at the same time, like, yeah, they are very overwhelmed. We're literally coming off of the heels of a pandemic. Not that this information isn't upsetting, but it sounds like it was kind of a mess. And people who, <sighs> I just get at like where where my anger falls is not really with the CDC, but with the people who once again take advantage of the fact that this industry is so mm -hmm. unregulated. You know, it's those organizations and those like breeders who or whatever who it is that's sending in these dogs that don't have the correct documentation, who are trying to get it done quickly, who are trying to skip the line and bend the rules because they can, because it wasn't organized, because it wasn't streamlined and they could get away with it or try to get away with it and they made a mess of it. Those are the organizations that I feel like if you want to be angry, like find those people yep. who ruined it for everybody else who was doing it for the best interests of the animals and not necessarily for the best interests of their financial well-being. But unfortunately, it's a side, it's kind of like the, the black market of the pet industry is that it is so financially viable and there is so much money in it. And I feel like so many organizations take advantage of that on different levels from food, which like this year, I think I've seen the most food recalls I've ever seen. Yeah. I've lost two puppies to intestinal torsions from 
salmonella overgrowth from bad treats. Like this is just where we are in this industry. It's really sad. I don't blame the CDC. I think that they're just trying to do the best that they can to make sure that our animals are safe and that the population that we have here, like our personal pets are safe. There's been, for those who don't know, who like don't work in this industry, like there's been such an influx of disease this mm -hmm. year. Um, San Diego just had an outbreak of leptospirosis, which like we don't get on the West Coast. Like these are real things that are happening. And I think that it's really unfortunate that there are organizations out there that are taking advantage of a broken system and ruined it for everybody who's trying to do the best for these animals. So yeah, if you want to be angry, like be angry, but direct your anger correctly. You know, I think the CDC is doing what they can to protect us and protect our animals that are already here at home. And the people, of course, too. And the people. Yes, you can get rabies, humans. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is zoologically transferable, like a lot of diseases. But mm. yes, it'll, it'll, it can kill you. It's not a good one, you know? So isn't that the one where you got to get the shot in the stomach? Yeah, like 10 or something. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. I have to say, like, it's just, I just, you know, when I, when I first read about the ban, I just like, you know, I bowed my head and I was like, because somebody else, just if it's the same story, we've heard it ever get, you know, it's just a few bad apples. They ruin the bunch, you yeah. know? Um, and it sucks. It sucks. Cause you're right. We do have animals. I have so many clients who I know, in this last year of adopted from China, we, you know, we interviewed Megan whose dog is from the Dominican Republic. Like this is real work that's being lost right now. It's horrifying. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. I think they, it was close to a million, they said, um, from those countries that are a million dogs that are imported into the United States from um, these countries. And that's a million. That's not just the wolves lives saved. That's like, you can double, triple that because right. those lives are coming in. That makes more space. That also gives them more funding to be able to do, like I said, the work that they're doing in their country. You know, and it's also, it's removing that hope that these organizations, um, you know, their, their livelihood, their, their, their dream to help animals, it's just been taken away. And I think that it's going to have a really big, there's going to be a mental health crisis as well with, you know, again, these reputable organizations who really do their due diligence. Do you know what percentage of animals that the United States adopts versus the rest of the world? They say, uh, can you repeat that question again? So um, I'm going to make the assumption based on parts of this conversation that the United States um, brings in more adopted animals than most, if not all other countries in the, in the world. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Um, so, like, so, so what I'm saying, right. So we've like, I mean, you've got Asia and you've got the United States and you've got like, you have other large countries, but the fact that the United States is closing means that 50% of the adopted animals that were typically being exported from another country are no longer. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I just, yeah. what percentage of impact would you potentially, and, I don't, and maybe you don't have those numbers. I just figure. Yeah. 
exact numbers. I did read somewhere on the CDC, uh, one of the news articles of the CDC was interviewed on, um, that they said that they had said it's about 6% of the dogs coming from these countries. But that, that's a very, very low number. And I think You're that- million dogs a year. Right. So the, the numbers aren't matching up. And they also, um, I think that percentage is based on the dogs who are already adopted prior to coming into the United States, because a lot of the organizations bring in, um, they work with the dogs uh, with borders organizations in the United States to find homes for them. So yeah, that's a good question, Jason. I'm not quite sure on the number. Um, and uh, again, so this is just my ignorance is Canada and Mexico on those lists. No, no. Okay. So um, just- Mexico, that's a good question. Canada is not on that list. So you can imagine what's happening now. <laughs> uh oh. So it, you know, a lot of organizations are going to be are already turning to Canada because they're scrambling right now to get dogs out before the July fourteenth ban. So are we because our one program that we do bring home dogs for again for the soldiers. Um, we have dogs in waiting but only 17 right now out of the 30 or so that is in our program will be able to come to the United States in time. But we started to rush and finding flights for dogs right now is almost impossible. And the prices are skyrocketing as well. So a lot of organizations will be turning to Canada. Um, The UK is another country where that adopts out a lot of dogs from Eastern European countries or uh, the Middle East, uh, and Germany is another one. So I'd say Germany, the UK, maybe the Netherlands as well, and Canada do a lot of adoption, but safe to say that US would probably be the biggest one. What's crazy to me, just like sidebar, unrelated, but I don't know, like to me, like the whole airline situation, it just reminds me of like the housing situation, like. I don't know why housing makes it so difficult for people to own pets and airlines make it so difficult for animals to fly when like we're such an animal centric culture anymore. It just blows my mind that they're just isolating such a huge population of income potential. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good point, but moving back to it because you know, the way that the, that the way the rules have been, going thus far is that it's the once the airline actually accepts an animal on board and I was up at 6 30 this morning working with um, we have two dogs coming in from the Ukraine for um, an army medic who was there and they put us through the ringer um, you know we had all the paperwork done weeks in advance we had to get it redone at the very last moment, they decided they don't want the dogs on board because they don't believe it's for a U.S. soldier. I had to contact the U.S. soldier, find him, and get his deployment orders. And even that wasn't enough. They wanted proof that he took a flight to Ukraine and back. So that is because the airline has to take that responsibility. Once that dog is, is brought in and checked in, it's their responsibility for the, their health, their safety, their well-being until it, uh, the dog there's customs on the other side. So I think that while it is, you know, 
for the airlines and lucrative industry, it's also a lot of responsibility and putting to manage that. And if if you've been following the news with some airlines, I mean, they they've had some issues with. Um, you know, they, they've put an embargo, a lot of major airlines put an embargo on the transport of dogs because of those issues, just so that they can just reset and recalibrate the way, the, the way that they are operating. So, yeah, there's just, there's so many moving pieces. Okay, so I'm, I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading and listening at the same time, because I wanted to know which countries were on here while we're having this conversation. Mexico's not on the, on the list. Um, China is on the list, except for uh, Hong Kong and Taiwan. Um, and I was reading at the top here, beginning July 14th, 2021, there's a temporary suspension, which was what we've been talking about from these countries. And we'll list this on the blog as well. Um, on an extremely limited basis, the CDC has author authority to issue advanced written approval. So there is a CDC dog import permit if you would like to bring in a dog from a high-risk country. Um, if you would wish to import a dog from a high-risk country, you must request advanced written approval from the CDC by emailing, and they give you the email address here, um, at least 30 business days, six weeks before you intend to enter the United States. No CDC dog import permits permits are issued upon arrival. Dogs that arrive from high-risk countries without advanced written approval will be denied entry and returned to the country of departure. Yeah. Do you want me to talk a little bit more about those permits? Yes. Like how difficult, how hard are those to get? Because I mean, this, like reading this from the outside, it sounds like there's hope for something, but it doesn't sound at the same time. Like if you're, if you're sending in dogs that don't necessarily have a home right away or like, what's your take on all of that? So there won't be any entry for dogs that don't have home right away. So that permit doesn't exist for organizations who are sending dogs to other organizations in the U S to find them um, good families. So they're, they're taken out of the equation right away. Um, in order for you to qualify for one of these permits, you will have to apply six weeks in advance. That's a lot of, that's, that's a long time. Um, in those six weeks as well. That means just to like highlight that, that means that that one dog needs six weeks of care in the country of origin and six weeks of food, water, shelter, right. support, medical care prior to being able to go anywhere. Yeah. I would actually add on maybe even an extra six to eight weeks on that because now you're also, in order to qualify, you will need to get the rabies serology test, the titer test. Um, so all the vaccines, of course, have to be um, up to date um, and it has to be through a CDC approved lab. I don't know if Jason that is in front of you, but I think there's only seven approved labs right now worldwide. It doesn't say right now, no. So what will happen is those blood samples will have to be shipped. We're talking more days, more days, more days. So the waiting period is going to be very long. Um, and um, there's changes happening every day to what's, to what's happening. But they were saying at first that the dog, you had to prove that the dog is not from another country, but is actually originated in the United States and has a rabies certificate from the United States. So the permits will be considered if you're returning back into the United States with your dog. 
Okay. That could be changing. That was when it was first announced again. Um, right. Even up. if, even if things go smoothly and we're talking 30 business days, the amount of stuff that can change within those six weeks is so substantial. And we're, and I, I think, um, I think it's easy to think about this, like from a personal perspective, like, Oh, well, if I needed to get my dog, that sounds feasible, but that's really not what we're talking about as much here. Like, yes, now it is more difficult to bring your fur kids back and forth from these particular countries. But what the impact is desperately going to have is that we don't have the resources or the people that are investing this kind of time into animals without homes. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, not even the waiting time and the caught the financial burden that will cause, but we're also talking about the health and well-being of right. the dog. The longer they're, you know, it, a lot of these dogs will have to be put into boarding, a boarding facility or whatnot. And um, expensive. It's an expense. It's an expense, but it's also um, a health hazard. You know, if there's other dogs around, not just, you know, we're not just talking about rabies, we're talking about other illnesses, even skin conditions and whatnot. We're also talking about socialization. So if these dogs are going to have to be put into boarding for a long time, they're going to lose that. Well, Sylvia, you know best. <laughs> the socialization aspect of it in the demeanor of the dog. Especially if, they're, especially if they're being picked up off the streets as like nearly feral, yeah. you know, they need a significant amount of like human interaction, dog, you know, safety. Some of them do need training. A lot of them can be reactive. Like some of these dogs, I've worked with some of these dogs, like they've never been on a leash. They're like two. They've never been on a leash. They've never, I just went hiking with one of my dogs without borders dogs today he's a rescue from mexico which i know is not on the list but um i mean we muzzle trained him and he hikes with 13 dogs but that doesn't mean he's not yelling he put three fights today on our hike so it's like these are not easy cases all of them you know like it's easy to think like oh these puppies and but a lot of these dogs really do need like rehabilitation training care they're unfamiliar with humans. They've been abused by humans. They need to be like reintroduced, desensitized. Like there's so much that gets lost when we're talking like eight to 10 weeks of boarding in a facility that we don't know. Plus it's gonna be overcrowded, overrun. Cause like you literally throw out a number of million dogs. That is a lot of dogs per capita per month per location. By the way, sidebar, I looked it up. There are five labs five labs see approval so they've actually i think they reduced one in it. china one in france one in mexico which you don't even need because they can come in from mexico and um one in the uk and one something so basically there's four <laughs> yes basically there's four because i don't think france is on the list either i don't think it is either but there's one in france yeah that's one that we have used in the past yeah it's um it's it's a big again i'm going to say it again it's a big ripple effect on many many levels um you know we we are looking at our service members who are deployed overseas for nine months at a time and uh, a dog or cat walks into their life on base and changes their whole perception of their deployment gets them through one of the worst times of their life and they have befriended these animals like they're 
family, and it reminds them a little bit about a little bit of, of home life. Um, we always say, you know, a lot of the soldiers actually tell us, like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I saved this dog or this dog saved me. Um, and to have to say you have to leave that dog behind is absolutely devastating. Um, and that's just not something that we are prepared to do. We are getting onto a different topic, forgive me, but we are looking at all other ways to keep the, our program alive and to not have to turn um, our U.S. service members away from the ability to bring home their, their, their battle buddy. So, um, so here's, so we can email the CDC with yeah. kindness and respect and let them know like, Hey, cause I read the letter. I think you posted on your Instagram. I read yeah. it. It's super respectful. It's like, Hey, I just don't agree with this. You know, is there anything we can do? It's like very respectful, which I think is so angry. Again, so angry at these people who have ruined this. So angry. Like, what are some organizations that are overseas that are doing like the spay and neuter work and doing the rabies vaccines and doing that? Like, where are places that like if people have the means and they can donate, like where should they be sending their dollars? How, where is it going to have the most impact? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, I mean, we work, we have, again, over 250 active partners around the world. Many of, I would say the majority who are on this band list. Um, you know, one of our biggest partners in Lebanon, um, Beirut for Ethical Treatment of Animals, it's called Beta. They have been working with the government for a number of years. They do things so properly. They have over 850 dogs in their care. They rely solely on bringing into the United States. And um, just to give you an example, they had one dog adopted in the country in the last four weeks. So this is vast devastation for them. Um, and so they won't be able to, you know, they won't have, they're already struggling with the funding. Lebanon has been hit hard in the last year. Um, they've been through an economic crisis, then they went through the pandemic. And I don't know if you knew about the big explosion at the port last year. Yes. But, yeah. So they have had devastation. My, my curiosity, and maybe like this is an opportunity where we can re-educate people, like, because I think that, too, most people aren't going to actually take the time to read the ban and why it exists. I think that maybe a lot of people might be making assumptions about why this ban exists, and it could be discouraging them from wanting to even look at adopting a dog from another country because they might not understand why these dogs are not allowed to come in. Like, they may think it has something to do with covid so maybe you know like if we can just take a second to like re-educate and really help people understand like this is really a rabies issue like at its core and it's really like a it's a mismanagement of information issue that the cdc is trying to get across so like if it's in your heart and you do want to adopt like and and you you know there will be processes in place like it's not a safety issue as i feel like there might be a population of people who are reading this ban and are now just turned off 
by right. the idea of getting a dog from one of these countries. Right. Yeah. And, and again, I think that's, it's, it's going to be that way. That's for a number of years, hopefully not a number of years, but it's going to have a, a lasting a ripple for a long time. It's a very good point. You know, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, that most of the time when, um, of course, we have information coming at us at lightning speeds these days through social media, the news, every which every which direction. That I think the average time somebody spends on any information piece is about nine seconds. So they'll see the highlights: danger, dogs, U.S. Right, and I, I think that's a very valid point. One hundred and thirteen countries, not allowed. <laughs> right. You know, I don't think you know if you're not taking the time. It could cause some, it could cause some uh, anxiety for somebody. Right. And, you know, we don't want to look differently now at the dogs who are even already here in these organizations trying to find homes. Like if they see that the dog originated from one of these countries, it might make them feel like they don't want to take that dog on even. Um, There's certainly going to be a lot of scrutiny. I agree with you. You know, I think people are going to you know, meet a dog in the U.S. who was adopted from the Middle East somewhere and say, oh, well, you know, that country is on the ban list. Therefore, that country did like it's going to be looked at as a whole. That country did something bad. And that's not the case at all. So I do agree. Um, you know, this is the time to educate and then keep re-educating. Yeah. And I think, you know, just read everything <laughs> like you know, don't make assumptions um, to any of our listeners out there who may be were confused as to like what the ban entailed and like what it actually, no pun intended, um, what it actually, you know, is about. Like, you know, if the dogs are here, they're safe. You know, if they have records, those records are real. You know, it's, it's about do your due diligence. I tell all my clients, it doesn't matter if you got your puppy from a breeder in a farm in Montana or you adopted a dog that just came in from Thailand. You should have a vet visit within 72 hours to check that dog from everything, like boots to bonnet, you know, from like the uh, their fecal. I always tell my clients, like, you have to get a fecal. You, like, you got to know what's going on in the body of your animal. And it's not just like for anyone who was wondering, it's not just dogs from other countries, like, I've seen so many sick puppies right here. And I just got off the phone with my coworker who's crying because her puppy's been battling with Giardia for over a month now. And he was born here in sunny Los Angeles. So it's like, you know, that's disease is not exclusive. Right. It doesn't, it's not like exclusive to any particular area or zone. I think we unfortunately saw a lot of this kind of like, hate spring about with certain cultures with like the pandemic and just like how isolated we made certain and you know cultures feel and I just would hate to see that happening to the animals that are on these countries that are on this band like that's not what's going on guys yeah Lori does this really um I don't want to say this poorly but like does this really track back to low quality of standard organizations that were just trying to force feed a, a, a supply and demand issue here in the United States. Does it come down to that? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go 
old is that? I think that a lot of organizations always do the right, do, try to do the right thing. I think we're talking about the, sometimes it's just even a, um, the efficacy of a vaccine. Um, in certain countries, they don't have the same vaccines that we have access to. And so I've been seeing now with the pandemic even. Right. Well, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out like what, what the trigger was like that always kind of fills in gaps in, in my storytelling ability and what happened and why now. And there's like, is it just super unfortunate timing that this is happening at the same exact time that we're hearing so much from the CDC on our own human behalf? Is it like there, there has to be certain ties, you know, to something that kind of triggered this. Cause I mean, I've never heard of a, of a, has this happened before? I guess is another question. Has there been these year long plus bans for rabies? There, there was a ban that was issued in, I believe it was 2015 or 2016 out of Egypt where two dogs arrived into the United States that tested positive for rabies. So they had put, uh, the CDC had put a ban on any importation of dogs from Egypt and they said it was going to last a year. That ban is still in effect, unfortunately. They never lifted it. So it had happened. We had some soldiers who were deployed to Egypt and they were required to um, apply for a special permit. Um, that's the other thing. It's the person who owns the dog who applies for the permit. We are not going to have any uh, say. We, we, we're not going to be able to be privy to looking at that permit. It has to be completely with um, the person who's applying. In our case, for our program, it would be the soldier. So, to, but to backtrack and answer your question, I think that um, is it just a matter of people knowing this and falsifying documents for either, um, you know, to, to get money or just to get it as many animals out of the country? I don't think that's straight across the board like that. I, I again, I think there's certain countries that don't have the same efficacy on the vaccines. Maybe they were shipped in uh, not the right temperature controlled container. So the serology test is really the answer to this. Um, and I think of course, we're also dealing with a lot of organizations and who are quite reputable, but who, who see this day in, day out, seven days a week, the cruelty, the disease, the starvation, everything on the street and it's very overwhelming and there's a high level of burnout in animal welfare work, especially around, um, across the globe. And so given the fact that this last year, everybody was at home in the United States and wanted a dog, they rushed to it. And um, there are organizations and I, I don't know who those are and I, um, applaud the CDC for not reporting who those are, not putting any names out, who did probably, I don't know if they falsified the documents, but maybe changed the date, you know, and, um, and that unfortunately ruined it for all the responsible owners and organizations. Do you know what the big difference is between, so you mentioned uh, the one with Egypt and it hasn't been lifted since, but that was a single country. And like now we're dealing like from wherever we were at, like, I don't want to say zero, because obviously there was Egypt. Are there other countries that were already on this like ban that we wouldn't have been able to bring animals in from or Not dogs? That, no, Egypt was the one that I, I know. I, so I to go, 
So to go from one to 113, it's not like even this is centralized in a particular area, like, hey, these countries, you know, clustered here. Like, it's a lot. Like, that's where, like, I'm trying to wrap my brain around, I mean, the the logical nature of how we went from one to 113 and that makes any sense. And again, like I'm not trying to tell the CDC how to do their job. I think they've got enough people doing that right now as is. I'm just trying to get a basic understanding so that moving forward, at least the people in our audience can like, this is how we can try and keep something like this from happening again. This is how we can make an impact. You know, if when it is happening now, like all of these different things. I think what happened, uh, if I had to take an educated guess, is that, um, you know, they saw some paperwork that wasn't done right from maybe a handful of countries, maybe a dozen countries. And then they started looking at uh, their records on where the vast majority of the dogs were coming from around the world. And that's, and they said, well, it's coming from here, it's coming from there. Let's create a list of all the or of all the countries around the world that import the most dogs into the country, and let's press pause on them. And I think, and it's for lack of better words, it's it, I agree, it's very it's overwhelming from going from one to one hundred and thirteen. Doesn't make sense to me. Could have went to like ten. Yeah, you know, not to be funny, but seriously. Um, well, we would like to see just, you know, instead of the ban and, and putting the ban on countries, working with strict oh, regulations and yeah. even as a whole, as an agency or organization, you be required to apply for a special permit to be able to even consider bringing in dogs in the future, even with this, you know, so like you have to be awarded a, a license to be able to import dogs. But for now, unfortunately, um, the ban is going to be in effect no matter how much pushback there has been over the last couple of weeks. It will begin on July 14th. So this, so this isn't going to be something that's like a rolling, um, like checking in every once in a while, like, okay, so we're going to make sure that we're testing here or watching numbers there. Like, like what we're all used to across the world now, like we're watching, you know, the COVID levels go up and down in a particular area. Like we're not, there's nothing like that for the next year with hopes of like, well, if the numbers drop below this or we meet this criteria in the next three months, then the ban would be lifted. Like this is just going to be a hard stamp in the ground and we need to have it fixed by the time it's over. I I don't think so. I think that um, there are a lot of discussions that we're having um, again with not directly with the CDC, but with our partners um, who do import um, who have a direct relationship with the CDC. I don't think that this is what they, you know, this is like, okay, let's punish everybody. This is not what sure. they want for solutions. And they, they did say if, if things get streamlined, things get better, then, you know, potentially it can get overturned or maybe there'll be a new mandate, like I just said, for organizations to have to apply. I, I don't know. This is, this is all up in the air right now. Um, I mean, ultimately... It's like you said in the beginning, it's like the CDC is not out to get everybody. This sucks and it's really painful. And I think it's probably opening a lot of people's eyes as to maybe what is happening with the importation of these animals. I've learned a lot in this conversation too about what's going on 
And a lot of it is absolutely unacceptable. Dogs needing to be turned around and sent back after a flight from like the other side of the world is totally inappropriate, borderline animal cruelty, you know? Um, so it is a problem. Like there is a problem. And I think that this was the, this was a solution. Do I agree that it's like the best solution? No, but it is a solution. And I think now it's really up to, you know, unfortunately organizations like yours to kind of like champion for a better treatment of the animals that are being imported, better protection for these animals that are being imported and systems that actually function for these animals that are being imported and for the people who are here on the other side waiting for their animal to be imported, you know? Um, Cause I just think about your soldiers, it would be horrifying if they were waiting for their beloved dog to come and then it got sent back and then because of a paperwork error. So I, I definitely can see where there's room for improvement. And well, let me, okay, let me, because uh, there's a lot of insane. Tell me, happens. okay, so tell me if my brain just put this together correctly. Cause I, I was looking on the website and I'm listening to this conversation, all this stuff. And from what I'm gathering, that this is not, because this will also, it, if I'm correct, this is in benefit of the stigma against the rescue animals. So this has very, this doesn't have as much to do with the animals as much as it has to do with the process. And to me, it sounds like there has been a ban that has been put on the process, not on the animals. Now, these 113 countries, they weren't flagged earlier this month in, in June. These 113 countries have been on a list from the CDC for a set amount of time as high risk countries, not just since June. It's not like what I'm saying is in June, they didn't say, Hey, these are the 113 countries that we should be worried about. It is in the recent history. We have these 113 countries that are considered high risk for those 113 countries. We have this current process to be able to import those dogs. And the CDC has now said that, process is no longer stringent enough to allow the importation of dogs from those 113 countries. So really what they've said is we've stopped the importation through this system. And unfortunately these 113 countries have to go through it. And like, if I'm correct on that, and you're kind of nodding your head, Lori, but if I'm correct on that, this is not a, a ban on, on the dogs. Like it's being spun as a ban on the dogs, but there's nothing wrong with these dogs. It's, it's these dogs just happen to have to go through this system. The CDC has identified that this system is broken and you have a year to get it fixed. And if you don't get it fixed in the next year, then the ban is going to continue until that is fixed. So really what we need to do is that system needs to be fixed. And then the ban will then be lifted off of those 113 countries, not the dogs from those countries. Like, does that all, am I right? 
if I was writing a paper about this, that would be my conclusion. Because <laughs> <Right> <laughs> that makes sense to me on how we went from one to 113. Because this doesn't it doesn't have to do with like, oh, my God, there's all these infected dogs coming in from all of these random countries. That's not it. It's that these were already considered high risk. And if there would have been other random countries that were on that list or not on that list, they just happened. That's just how it fell. Yeah. And I think that's a very, very important message to get out that it's not, there's nothing wrong with these dogs. It's the, it's the system that is broken and that's a system that needs to be fixed and we need to come together to try to find, to, to work together to create that solution. Um, and, and we are, and there are many organizations who are coming together to work together. And there are many um, organizations who have direct uh, communication with congressmen and women as well, who are um, not in support of the ban as well. So who will be speaking on behalf of the organizations and, and the dogs <laughs> um, uh, on a congressional the the day, They're the ones ultimately paying this price. Yeah. Know? So we can hold out some hope that, that that somewhere along the line, somebody could potentially step in strong arm things and be like, look, this is a little excessive. Why don't we put something into place? Like, okay, we're going to let you know that if this isn't fixed in the next year, then we're going to start the ban as opposed to just surprise ban. Now you got to figure it out. Yeah. You know, let's go back to like how we started this conversation with the organizations and the people who work around the world. This is their hope. And I think that we need to have that hope here too. And Can we, we write to- a letter? Can we write to our Congress people and say, hey, this is really important to me. Can we, can we figure out a solution? Can we prioritize this? Absolutely. Again, respectively, we're encouraging our um, followers to respectively write to their Congress offices in their state. And, um, and, and from what I've already received back in, um, in information, they're listening. And a lot, of, a lot of these men and women are big animal lovers, too. So, yeah, that's a, another encouragement for, for sure. Okay, so, so don't lose it. Write a letter to the CDC. Okay. Don't. We're not. What happened? Said, don't lose hope. Don't. No. Write a letter to your congressperson. Yeah. Write a respectful letter to the CDC. Donate to these organizations that are on the ground, caring for these animals actively, just because they can't come here. I mean, especially because they can't come here. They need support. They need care. They need housing. They need food. So don't you know, don't sleep on them. You know, there's nothing wrong with these animals. They still need love. They still need saving. You know, they just can't come here. But that doesn't mean that we need to give up on them where they are, you know. I love that message. I think it's really important for everybody to know that these are the voiceless. The dogs can't speak for themselves, but all of us can speak for them. And all of us can make a difference. They didn't do anything wrong, you guys. They didn't do anything wrong. They still need help. They're still there. There are still people there trying to help them. Like, just because this ban exists doesn't mean that, like, all of a sudden, everyone has stopped helping dogs in China. Everyone has just stopped rescuing stray dogs off the street in, you know, Croatia. Like, that's not what's going on. Like, these... These people are still there. They're still doing it. They're still in Baghdad. They're still in, 
Moscow. They're still collecting these animals and helping them and saving them. They still need support. These are organizations that are more support than ever. You're right. Support and vaccines and enough money to get their paperwork done correctly so that they can come here. You know, even even more so. They need microchips. They're gonna need they're gonna need this medical care. Um so I think we'll put a bunch of stuff in the show notes. Um, I think Lori has a list of absolutely reputable organizations that are doing the work correctly that we can, you know, send if you have it, that you can send to them and help with the care of an animal, you know, doesn't take a lot of money to feed a dog in other countries um, for six to eight weeks. Yeah, if we're getting those permits done. Jason? Yeah. Yeah. I I love all of it. I mean, I was already just thinking about the dollar a day program that SPCAI was doing last time. Right. Yes. Thank you for remembering. Yes. um, 100% of our online fundraising will be for these shelters will be going directly to these shelters. So anybody can keep track of what we're doing and um, be alerted to specific organizations who really, really need extra help. We're, we're working on emergency funding for a lot of um, the NGOs right now. What about, how can we support the groups that are trying to put the new system in place so that that can be done as quickly and efficiently as possible? That, that, that will roll out in the next couple of weeks. Um, you're going to hear about a coalition that will be forming amongst many organizations. Um, love a coalition. Pardon? I said I love a good coalition. <laughs> We're working together. <laughs> Yeah, this is, you know, the, the one, if I may say, beautiful thing that is coming from this is that I use this term quite often, um, like-minded individuals are coming together around the world and holding hands across the world. And it's, it's quite a, a humbling thing to be part of, to witness, to have a voice, and to work collectively. And... Um, And that's what we need to keep doing. And that's not just organizations. That's everybody who has a voice. That's every single person who's listening to this or reading even the the caption that you put in the post. Everybody can come together and hold hands together for these animals and the people who help the animals. Well, we'll keep doing what we can do. And I think it's important not to forget. Like it's going to be, it'll be a long year for us, but it's going to be a longer year for a lot of other people. Dogs. And not and not letting this just kind of go by the wayside and forget about it. And, and when the band's over being ready to try and help pick up that slack as much as possible. Thank you. Thank you for being part of this. Thank you so much again for just coming back and sharing your, your experience and, you know, your absolute love and heart for these animals. And they're so lucky to have you advocating in their corner you little gem, you. <laughs> Don't make me cry on camera. I think you made me do that last time. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm surprised that Sylvia's held on this long. Either that or I just couldn't tell with her low, the, the camera going on there. It's been difficult. <laughs> it's truly, truly an honor to speak with you both. I just, I love sitting and looking at your faces and discussing animal welfare issues with you and Thank you so very much for having 
me on the show and of course being a representative for our organization SBC International really really means a lot to all of us we're going to rush this right out so this will be this will go live on Tuesday so I wanted to get it up ASAP uh, we're skipping the dog dad joke on this one I didn't think it was quite appropriate I'm Maury's like it was the one thing I wanted I know (laughs) no no one said that said no one ever what are you talking about everybody was looking forward to that it's like when you get to the bottom of you know what was it those um, caramel pink popcorn boxes I mean I'm aging myself and you find the surprise at the bottom that was like the jack box Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah cracker jack now they just do like these weird little things of paper Super disappointing. Super disappointing. Oh man, I got some for the kids a little while ago, and I was like, "Dude, it basically looked like you tear it open. It looks like a stamp." And my Kemper's like, "What is this?" I was like, "Ah, oh, dude, it used to be a cool toy. Now it's." <laughs> I guess they're too worried. I know that Kinder Surprise chocolates are banned in the U.S., but they're not banned in Canada. But I think children were just swallowing the toy. But we'll have you back on again soon um, to know, to figure out what's going on and how things are going on, on that front and making some progress and the impact that people are having and all that stuff. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And if there's anything that you need to use us for, like you need to hop on the show again, real quick, reach out and say, we got to get something out there. We're, we want to be able to make that kind of impact anytime that we possibly can. That would be great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lori. Okay. So yeah, no dog joke on this one, but I want to thank everybody for taking the time uh, to sit and listen and learn. I really want to take uh, a moment and just emphatically thank Lori for spending some time with us and explaining this so that um, I know you and I both really learned a lot from this and understand what's going on. Um, I didn't understand. I felt so angry and, you know, I think that my anger was misdirected like so many people. So I just feel like I feel empowered now. Like I feel like I feel hopeful. So I'm so glad we did this. I hope that uh, our listeners got as much out of it as I did. Yep. Make sure to subscribe, make sure to go check things out, make sure, uh, this is going to be the one time I, I normally we say, Hey, share and tell your friends. But on this one, like this isn't about us at all. Like get this out, make sure that the people in your animal circles and dog circles, especially are listening to this so that they know what's going on with the CDC. This is going to be something that sticks around for the next year. It sounds like, um, so we need to stick with it. We need to understand what's going on. We need to know what we can do to avoid it moving forward. Accountable. So, Please share this. Even if you're just taking a clip, take your notes, get it out there um, so that we don't have people that are pointing the anger in the wrong direction. So, all right. Until next time, we will uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye.